Welcome to Despirituality. We're excited today to take a little uh, side uh, road here from our parables series that we're doing because I had the great fortune to uh, have uh, Al Baird in our studio and to talk about uh, the great adventure of marriage and family. Uh, and Al has uh, known me since I was a wee lad, uh, and he has a gray hair to show for it. Uh, and uh, I want you to be able to benefit from all I've learned and so many uh, hundreds and thousands of people have learned uh, from him about uh, living a life of faith that is manifested in your uh, marriage and your family. First, I want to tell you a little bit about Al and Gloria, uh, and they've written a book that I'll refer to uh, in a bit. Uh, Al and Gloria were born in Texas. They met, fell in love, and married while still in college. After Al finished his PhD in physics from the University of Texas in Austin, they moved to Boston for his first job and to be part of the church planting. After 15 years in physics research, they decided that Al would give up his physics career and both of them would go into the full-time ministry as a part of a dynamic new church, which eventually met in the Boston Garden. Al and Gloria not only helped to shepherd and lead that church, but also served as leaders for planting churches in the Middle East. After 25 years in Boston, they moved to Los Angeles to serve that church. And then 22 years later, in their mid-70s, they moved to Phoenix to be near one of their daughters and her family, as well as to work with the Phoenix Church. God blessed their 56 years of marriage with three wonderful daughters who are all disciples of Jesus, three best friends, son-in-laws, and nine grandchildren. While writing this book, God called Gloria home to paradise, temporarily pausing an incredible love affair. And so it's great to have you on, Al. I want to tell the folks a story before I get you in here because it's a good story. And I'm, I don't even know for sure if you know it. And that's why when I sent the notes, I didn't in include the story in there. So uh, or full the full story in there. So everybody who's listening, and of course, we're, we thank you for listening. I know some of you are listening in your car. Some of you are listening uh, as you're chilling in the backyard. Maybe you're barbecuing. Maybe you're doing laundry. Uh, maybe you're trying to spend a little devotional time with God in the morning. Um, I have a story for you, and you're going to enjoy this podcast. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited out, and I've already been talking a little bit. But uh, I was married, uh, and we went on our honeymoon in uh, March of 1989 and we went on our honeymoon and we were coming back from the honeymoon and everything had been going great. And then we got into an argument and I can't remember what the argument is about right now, but um, I still, I can't remember the argument was about period. Actually um, it was something ridiculous that you get married, you get in arguments when you're young married. So we were going to DC for work. And so we were going to be in Washington, DC. So we were stopping, we were coming back from our honeymoon. We stopped in DC and as we were getting off the plane, we got into this thing and I had no idea what to do. I was like paralyzed. I didn't know what to say. I thought if I say something else, I'm going to make another mistake. I already made a mistake. I, I didn't know what to think. I had nothing in my memory banks for experience to know what to do in this situation. Having been primarily with guy roommates for, you know, the last five years of my life or whatever it had been. And so I said, I got it. I got to get some help. And this is a long time ago. So I had to, I had to go to a payphone. And so uh, I went over the payphone and I go, I know I got to call Al. I, Al's the guy I got to call. And so I get the, get my money. I put the, put the money in the, in the, the old pay phone. And I know a lot of you are laughing out there. A lot of you guys who are younger, you're sitting there going, what's a pay phone? And you go up to it, you put money in it and you get to talk for a little while. And then you have to put more money in if you want to talk longer or you put a credit card in. And, uh, so I call, uh, the house, uh, and I'd been over to Alan Gloria's house many, many times and Gloria picks up 
and I'm desperate. I'm like, hey, Gloria, is Al there? Because Al was kind of the guy I always talked to when I got in these conundrums about something that was complicated in life. And she goes, oh, no, Al's gone. He's in an appointment. And I was like, and, you know, I'm like, I, I wasn't crying, but I was like, I was thinking about it. And um, and so I go, oh, man. I said, Gloria, I'm in trouble right here. She goes, what's going on? And so I explained the whole situation. And I never forget Gloria. She goes, Russ, and I can't do an imitation of Gloria's voice, but it, you, you know, she has, it's that, it's a sort of Texas, Texas Boston uh, accent at the same time. She goes, Russ, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. You're going to need to learn something. I said, what do I got to learn? She goes, marriage is an adventure. She goes, you're taking yourself way too seriously. Marriage is an adventure. And I was like, it's an adventure. She says, Yeah. Even if you're making mistakes, even if something went wrong, it's a journey and it's an adventure. Just enjoy the adventure. And then she gave me specifics about go back. You know, I know apology was involved in there. Go back, talk to Gail and and you guys just need to relax and just enjoy it. This is just the beginning. And it's why I've titled our podcast today, Al, The Great Adventure of Marriage and Family. And she left me with a scripture and it happened to be a scripture in your book. And for those who want to read Al's book, there'll be a link in the show notes to this podcast. And she said, Psalm 127. So I read it and I read it every day for the first three years of our marriage, pretty much. I'd read it every day or anytime I got in a jam. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work as hard, work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Al, thanks for coming on and talking about the great adventure of marriage and family. Did you know that story or was that the first time you heard it? No, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> or, or if I heard it, I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, you did. I, I remember It doesn't going, surprise me at all. That's exactly what she would do. Oh, well, she pulled me out. I'll tell you what. It was it was an amazing, amazing thing. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because there are a lot of people who have been talking to me, um, and they talk to me all the time over the years, about marriage and family. And sometimes there's not a good place, a, a really a simple place to go uh, to be able to get some experienced advice, or maybe people are talking to each other, and even though they're trying to help each other, none of them has the experience of it. But can you tell me just why, at the beginning of your book, you do quote Psalm 127. Why do you consider that sort of a bedrock passage of Scripture to help people when it comes to building marriage and family? Well, I think, first of all, it's not just in marriage. It's in every phase of life. It is that God has got to be at the center of it, because God created everything good. Uh, he created marriage. And so if he created it, he has a plan for how the way it needs to work. Right. And so obviously then uh, we need to go to the source of the creation, and that's the creator, to see his plan. And, and so if we don't do it God's way, then we're going to mess it up. Right. And that's the whole idea of unless God builds a house, we're laboring. It's, it's all fruitless. It's not going to work. And that's why so many marriages fail is because people don't, first of all, go to God and see what his plan for it is and then try to implement that plan in the marriage. Wow. You know, one of the – in your, uh, chapter one uh, where you talk about making God the architect, you put a line in there this is marriage is first and foremost a spiritual relationship. It's a line that stuck with me from beginning to the end of the book. Can you help us understand what that means and why it's foundational to understand and believe that marriage is first and foremost a spiritual relationship? 
Well, I think a lot of people are drawn to the idea of marriage or, or, or even the physical relationship or whatever because they think it, it primarily is physical satisfaction. Right. But, but marriage is much, much deeper than that. It is a spiritual uh, contract, if you will, a spiritual relationship that, that is, 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 uh, uh, involves three people. Right. It involves the husband and the wife and God mm. and working together and, and trying to see how it is that God wants us to interact with each other in our relationship, not only with each other, but with God. And to me, the, the real adventure in marriage comes when, when a husband and wife together can, can go to God and walk in relationship with God and have that relationship that they share freely with each other. And it becomes the standard for marriage. You know, it's interesting because I was never um, a religious person uh, growing up or anything. And so I never thought of God as being able to, you know, do a lot to solve relationship problems or hold things together. We have thousands of people listening today and, and, and uh, a number of them don't, necessarily believe in God. We have people who go to church, some that don't go to church. Uh, we have some people who are atheists and agnostics that will communicate with us, and they feel like it's it's a really uh, helpful to listen to some of the things. They probably believe that uh, a lot of this is wisdom literature as opposed to, you know, the sacred word of God, which is fine. We, we welcome everybody to come on board. But how, how, would, a, how would a person go about sort of uh, making their relationship spiritual if it hasn't been, whether they go to church or don't go to church, whether they consider themselves a Christian or don't consider Where What's a good starting point to put God at the center of your marriage and make it more spiritual? Can you give some tips on that? Well, I think the first thing is to realize that, that uh, when, when two people, husband and wife, come together, uh, we're, we're, we're basically selfish people. Mm. I mean, we we... we have what we like, we have our own taste, we have our own ideas, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, God creates us that way. Mm-hmm. But marriage is a melding together of, of two totally different people with different ideas, with different concepts, with different likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, we, if we don't have the, the, the help of God, the third party, we end up in conflict with each other because we—, we, we by nature, think that that my idea, my way of thinking, is is the right way. It's the, always the way I've done it. Oh boy! And and, and coming to understand the other person's perspective yeah. is a, is one of the real adventures of marriage. And and it, quite frankly, t- and we were married fifty six years, and we were still working on that idea. Yeah, and trying I was to, to totally understand yeah. each other and, and and how to please each other. But it's back to the idea that that. Uh, to me, the 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 thing that that it makes it successful is to really believe that that I didn't come up with this idea of marriage. Mm. That there was a creator that created it, and he created it so it would bring joy and happiness and fulfillment in life, uh, not just to not just to populate the world, but to really be a, a place that that was, if you will, a retreat in life that we can go to each other. And if you don't have that idea, then it becomes just my idea versus your idea. And, and there's always going to be a sense of conflict if, you, if that's all you have. If you don't have a source of authority, if you will, an overall umbrella that you trust, mm-hmm. that we can go to this source of truth and, and find the answers to, to what it, how, how, how we can really fulfill each other. 
and that to me is one of the real joys of life. It, it's 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 what makes me one of the things that makes me believe in God mm-hmm. is, is to see how well two people can get along together when you try doing it with the way that God says to do it. Wow, that's it's, so. it's sort of the proof is in the pudding that, yeah. that when you when you try it, it really works. <laughs> and when you don't do it, it, you mess it up. Well, you know what I like about what you're talking about, Al, is I know you're not saying it's simple, but the plan is simple. And and if we just if we'll just embrace the plan, and it sounds too like you're saying one of the keys for all of us is we have to commit to God and commit to the Bible. And I I saw that throughout your 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 book that there was a commitment to Scripture. The book uh, A Lifetime of Love by Al and Gloria Baird. Uh, you can get it on Amazon uh, and uh, uh, pick up a copy. And again, the show notes will have a link so you can go straight to it. But it seems like you're talking about being committed to God, committed to the scriptures and everything I hear you saying, I kept, as you were talking, I kept thinking about Psalm 119, which is a great Psalm for people to read if they want to get faith in the word of God and all it can do. I kept thinking you're, you, you're laying out a blueprint of faith that comes from the scriptures. And so I would encourage people, hey, get yourself a Bible, start reading the Bible, even if you don't believe in it. And as Al said, you'll see proof by how your life changes and gets better uh, when you read it. Uh, you know, there's, in chapter three of the book, uh, A Lifetime of Love, uh, the uh, uh, quote that I really enjoyed there, or the point I really enjoyed there, it says, marriage has come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, and uh, I think that's kind of an underrated view uh, about marriage. And I know for us in our marriage, and and I was coming to your house when I was a wee little college kid, and uh, and, and you were there uh, when I got married and, and, and beyond, I think it was something I had to kind of come to grips with that my marriage wasn't going to be exactly like anyone else's. And sometimes I think we don't always understand that the way our marriage is built, whether it's the balance of talents that the wife and the husband have, the interests, the, the way we collaborate or the way we complement each other, it's all going to look different. And And sometimes I think we get uh, discouraged maybe when we don't have a marriage like somebody else instead of trying to develop the marriage that we have. And I think sometimes we can be judgmental of other people's marriages because they don't operate like our marriage operates. Can you speak to the idea of marriage coming in all different shapes and sizes and, and what you're thinking there uh, and, and, and elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it's, it's interesting is, is, you know, we've through the years done a lot of marriage counseling and a lot of pre-marriage counseling. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it, one of the things that, that quite often happens is that uh, uh, a man and a woman in dating will think, boy, we, have, we are so alike. We, <laughs> we like the same things. We do this. We do that. And, and, and man, we, just, we love the same movies. We love the same uh, places to eat, all these kind of things. Yeah. And then you get married and say, man, we are so different. <laughs> I, I, we don't even agree on how how to put the toilet paper on. <laughs> I mean, it's it, 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 and and when you start living together all the time, you find out we're really different. Oh yeah, the, we, we have different tastes and different ideas, different philosophies. And, and to me, one of the real adventures of marriage is is not trying to change each other. But rather trying to complement it and drawing on the strengths of each other and building something even bigger and better than wow. you would have in, in yourself. Wow. Because you, you put together the strengths of two people 
in a synergistic way, it becomes a very powerful dynamic and a very powerful team. You know, as you're talking now, I'm laughing because I'm like, I, I resemble every remark and every comment you just made there of, of, of in the dating. Hey, I got this totally under control, man. This is great. And I'll never forget. I, I had a hint when I was uh, I was like, let's watch a movie. And I love Westerns. I was like, we got to watch Western. We got to watch. We got to watch a Western. And Gail was like, what? And I was like, uh oh. And, you know, it was all downhill from there of going, oh, yeah. And right down to, like you said, the toilet paper. One of the things that um, uh, comes to my mind is in chapter four, where you talk about loving one another, you gave five principles for loving uh, one another. And, um, and I, and, and, and when I saw the five, I was like, hmm, I wish I'd read those like, six months or a year before I got married. And the five are unconditional love and acceptance, emotional intimacy and great communication, spiritual intimacy, encouragement and affirmation and companionship. And I read those and I was like, man, if, if I could just get those down, you know, I could transform my marriage. If I could just do chapter four, but I couldn't get through chapter one through three yet. So I was like, I got, you know, it's, it's a little challenging. Tell me, if you can, or I shouldn't say tell me, but tell us, if you can, why did you pick those five or, or, or what, what was your thinking in picking those five? I think it, it's, as you, as you go through life mm-hmm. and you look back and you reflect and you say, okay, what, what was it that worked with us? But also with all the marriage counseling we did, we saw marriages in every form, you sort of start analyzing, okay, what, what are the things that the marriages that really worked well, what were the characteristics of those marriages? Mm-hmm. And then, then for the marriages that really had problems and some unfortunately ending in divorce, mm-hmm. what led to the divorce? Why did people give up on each other? Okay. Why did the relationship fail? And so those are five things that we thought were very key and very important in building a successful marriage that that for long term for the yeah. long haul people the couple enjoyed each other through all the phases of life wow i love it can you talk a little bit about the difference between emotional intimacy and spiritual intimacy well i think the the emotional intimacy is um i mean some of us are introverts some of us are extroverts mm-hmm. Uh, Gloria loved deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm more of a typical guy that that answers in three word answers, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 always uh, I, Gloria would always say, "What what what do you think about this? What do you feel about this?" What, I didn't have a clue what I felt about this, and and, and so I just have to stop and think about this. I'm like, I mean, what what do you want to know? Why are you asking me that? I mean, why why, why is this so important? I yeah. mean, it, it, it's it's one of the authors that that I've enjoyed through the years. He said that that uh, guys have a nothing place, <laughs> and, and a nothing place is, is where we go and you don't think about a thing, uh, and and. and I, I could be sitting there and 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 watching TV, and Gloria would say, "What are you thinking about?" I, nothing, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really wasn't. And she couldn't understand how how could you be not thinking about anything? 
but but it, there, there's a we we are different people. I yeah. mean, there's some things that are characteristic of men and women. Right. But but even among men, or even among women, we are, we are just different people. Right. And and to to link up and enjoy each other emotionally is to enjoy the things the other enjoys emotionally and try wow. to understand where the other person is coming from emotionally. Wow. And that is very different than the spiritual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Spiritual intimacy is is together going to God for his guides, his direction. I don't even remember why, but what we decided on our honeymoon mm-hmm. that we would start praying together every day. And we did that then pretty much uh, every day that we were together. We, we would pray for, before we got out of bed in the morning, we would pray together. Uh, and it would not be a long prayer. Right. Uh, I mean, it might be two or three minutes, but it's mm-hmm. sort, of a, sort of a sign on with God for the day. Right. And then the last thing at night, uh, we, would, we would pray and we'd normally take turns and whatever. And, and uh, it would not be unusual for one of us to go to sleep during the prayer, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was a spiritual intimacy that we wanted to include God mm. in, in our marriage, in our relationship, to make him a part of our relationship. So that uh, we knew that if we had issues with each other, we had disagreements, or even if we were planning for the future or planning for the day, we wouldn't include God in that. We'd try to bring him into the equation and make him a part of, of our relationship together. And, and that's, that's a spiritual intimacy, which to me is, very, is significantly different than the emotional intimacy. Right, right. And, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think looking at what you were talking about and listening to you, I don't know that I've ever uh, taught that clearly to people that those are two investments you have to make and they're not the same thing and and the need to be time taken out for it. Also, I remember coming over your house as a college student and I understand better. I, I was able to have conversations with you and you and Gloria at the same time. And sometimes when you talk to people that are married, you, you can talk to the husband, you can talk to the wife and it's, you know, you're talking to, you, you clearly are talking to two different people. Um, and then there are people when you talk to the the, the couple, you, you can be you're talking to both of them together. And I think some of that is the, the the intimacy that's spiritual and emotional that then allows you to include other people and affect other people together. And I know you talk about it, and we'll talk about this in a little bit with regard to family that the closeness of the marriage affects the children and creates a culture in an environment amongst the children. And so if you check out uh, what Al and uh, Gloria listed as these five uh, foundations, really, I think uh, the unconditional love and acceptance, emotional intimacy and great communication, spiritual intimacy, encouragement and affirmation and companionship. I think they're not only great for marriage, but I think as we're going to talk a little bit later, when I give you the, the, the six quick questions uh, there, they'll be aiding us in, in, uh, in, in building our families. The, the, the thing that struck me in chapter six, and I think a lot of people will, will will benefit from this, is in that chapter, it was titled Best Friends. You actually quote one of my favorite philosophers from the time I was in high school and college, Frederick Nietzsche, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the actual way his name should be pronounced. Uh, and the quote is, it is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendships. That, I'm sorry. It is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages, Frederick Nietzsche. What what were you thinking when you put that quote in, and what were you trying to tell people in that chapter about the importance of best friend of best friends as married couple? 
Well, I think a lot of times when when we were in a counseling situation with a couple that were having some marriage problems, one of the one of the questions we'd ask is is do you really love each other? And uh, sometimes they have a hard time saying yes, but most of the time say yes, we do love each other. Mm-hmm. But but then we say okay. Would you say you're really best friends with each other? And usually the answer to that was really no. They were not best friends for each other, with each other. They, they didn't cultivate being best friends. And, and to me, uh, to, to really have a great marriage, uh, we, we encourage build the very best human relationship, friendship with your husband or with your wife. Mm-hmm. More than your best bud or, or whatever, uh, but in terms of just everyday life, be friends. And, and as our three daughters were were starting to date and and uh, then fell in love and whatever, we would encourage them: make sure that the person that you're marrying is your very best friend. Wow! And if you can't be best friends, then don't marry. Right. Uh, don't marry that person mm-hmm. because that, to me, is is, is the thing that really is one of the glues of marriage is being very best friends. We just, Gloria, Gloria and I enjoyed being together. I had rather spend time with Gloria when I had her yeah. than anybody else. I'd rather be with her. And that to me is is the way a relationship ought to be. It ought to be that type of relationship. It's not It's not just a time that, hey, when, I, when, when we're together, we have a good time. no. When we were not together, I missed her. I right. wanted to be with her. Right. It, it's that type of relationship. I love that. And, I, it, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that in my life and, and also in people I work with and talk with about marriage and is sometimes we as men don't realize that when we don't have the spiritual intimacy, when we don't have the emotional intimacy, and we don't have the best friendship, we become really needy. And I know for me, there are periods of my life where I'm I'm wanting attention or I'm wanting notice or I'm wanting credit or I'm wanting achievement. And sometimes that's because I'm not getting what God wants me to have from marriage and that that's one of the important things. And that and so when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking we as guys have to remember that we're going to have a lot less maybe dissatisfaction with our job or dissatisfaction with our achievements when we're able to have the love and the intimacy and the closeness and the best friendship with our wife. And so I appreciate that. And you can read more about that in chapter six, if you want to get Al's book in chapter 16. And, and of course I worry a lot as a parent and as a husband, and you know, I'm always thinking about what about this? What about that? When's the other shoe going to drop these problems? You talk about don't worry. And in that chapter, uh, like I said, it caught my attention. You talked about the miscarriages about glorious cancer, and how you had to fight uh, Satan to get through them all and not let worry uh, control. Can you say a little bit for people about the importance of fighting that battle against worry, even when facing things that are as painful and difficult as, difficult as cancer, loss, and miscarriages? Well, there are going to be hard times in life. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going to have hard times in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we lost our first baby uh, that was born premature and only lived a day. Mm. Uh, then we had Stacy, uh, and that was uh, she was well. And then 
our next pregnancy, we had twins, and they lived three days, and we lost them. Mm. And, uh, you know, as young people, we, we, we married in, in our, our early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that age, typically, you sort of feel invincible. Yeah. You know, we can deal with any problem in life. We're going to overcome anything. And and time we've lost three babies, yeah. we suddenly don't leave. We don't feel invincible anymore. Right. We realize, you know, there are going to be some hard things that happen in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, quite frankly, in some situations, destroys the marriages. Yeah, because they 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 can't handle it. Mm-hmm. it. It drives them further apart. On the other hand, what it did with us, and what I think can happen, is it bonded us together. It drew us together. Wow. It it may it cemented our relationship together because we were able to comfort and understand each other in a way that no one else ever could. Wow. And, and the same type of thing in, in, you know, Gloria had cancer for six years before I lost her. And and those were some of the, 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 the richest six years of our 56 years together. Really? Because we, we just treasured, we, we knew that, that life was hard. We knew it had its hard times. And we knew we didn't have forever together. We didn't know how much time. We wanted to make every day count. Yeah. Because we, we really treasured that relationship and being together. That's in, it's inspiring and it's helpful because I know for me, I think, you know, as, as you know, because you were there, um, we had uh, um, some with autism, Down syndrome. And uh, up until that time, I think I probably was in that category of, well, yeah, I got this. I can control life. life yeah, you, you know, there are a couple of bumps, but I got this. And then you find out that not everything is going to be easy. And it's it seems to me that goes back to your original opening statement of your writing that a marriage is a spiritual relationship. And when God is at the center of it, he holds it together. And it seems like you're giving a great example of even in the toughest and toughest of times. And I hope a lot of us can take encouragement from what Al's talking about in Al and Gloria's journey, even the toughest times you can grow closer together. But as you point out, and I think I want us all, I'm, I'm listening to you and hearing this, that you can let tough times cause you to have distance and get separate from each other. And so I'm grateful from you, you talking about that uh, as I was, thinking, but, let, but let me okay. also go ahead with that, Russ, yeah. because not only can can those hard times drive you apart, they can they can also in in God's hands make you a much more mature person and and stable person in terms of depending not only depending on God but then able to help other people. Yes. Uh, we had so many people who would come to us then who had miscarriages, who were lost children, mm-hmm. because they knew that we had been on, been through it. Yeah, and we could help them, and we could, we could give them good advice on how to, how to cope with it, and how to even grow through it, and even how to grow in their relationship. So, in the tough things that we go through, Satan and God often work on the same things. Oh wow! That's Satan tries to destroy our faith. Yeah in God and destroy our faith in each other. God, on the other hand, uses hard times or can use the hard times to cement us, our relationship with each other and submit the relationship with God and, 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 and increase our trust. Because we realize that, that man, we are not invincible. In and of ourselves, we are vulnerable. Yes. And I, if I don't have God to lean on, what do I have? Wow. But with that faith and that trust, then we feel like we can handle anything. That's phenomenal. Thank you. I feel better. 
I feel better about life right now. I got my producer, Vince, is sitting over there shaking his head. He's much younger than me. Uh, he's sitting over there shaking his head going, oh, profound, incredible, and encouraging, especially after two years of a pandemic. A lot of people have experienced a lot of loss. Uh, the lockdowns, particularly here in Northern California, we, we, we've been so locked down, I'm not sure we know how to unlock. Um, it, 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 it helps a lot to know, one, we can get through hard times. Two, they can shape us. Three, there are going to be some losses. There are going to be some defeats in life, but that doesn't have to destroy our faith or destroy us. Uh, I want to get you out of here on what I could, what I call six quick questions about family building, and I'll have you back to elaborate on these at some point. But I want to give people just a a, a real snapshot of uh, of six quick questions that you can answer. Six questions. Question number one, if you're ready for the six quick questions, Al, are you ready for the six questions? Let's try it. Okay. Do you believe family is first and foremost a spiritual relationship? It depends on who you ask. I do, yes, absolutely. I think wow. primarily it's a spiritual relationship because if it's not a spiritual relationship, I think that you're almost rolling the dice on how successful it's going to be. If you don't have the architect involved in the in the process, yeah, th- then then it's crapshoot. Al, you just scored on that question. Vince is over there. Vince is over there going, "Thank you for telling me all this before I head down this path." Number two, how can we learn to love the family we have? What I mean by that, and you help me in this area, because we have a family with special needs, but. Sometimes people, you write in your book about not living your life through your children or trying to live your life through your children, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes I'm going to speak for men particularly. Sometimes you you have your kids and maybe they don't accomplish what you want them to accomplish. Don't go to the school you want them to go. Don't get the GPA. Don't play the sport. Don't succeed. How can, what's a tip about learning to love the family you have instead of either envying other families, wanting a different family or being disappointed in your family? Well, of course, one of the dangers in parenting is, is try to, to, to live your life through your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes if, if, if we weren't great in sports, we want to live through our kids in sports that have them be successful. I think that the whole, I mean, the helicopter parenting or whatever, yeah. we, we've got we've to try to bring our kids up to be their own people. Mm-hmm. To, to, to have their own values not and, and obviously we want their values to be in God but not because necessarily because I said so yes but I want to cultivate that trust in God not just you just do this because I tell you to do it or you be because this or because I want you to be this mm-hmm. I think that that one of their goals as parents is try to get our children to really develop what what do you want out of life and help them shape their values and reason with them and shaping what you're really looking for in life. And obviously, hopefully in that process, we're going to have them duplicate our belief and our trust in God in the whole process. Boy, man, this is like digging for gold and I don't have to dig very far, Al. Question number three, um, this hopefully makes sense. Do the principles of marriage and family change when we face difficulty? You kind of talked about this earlier, but a lot of people I'm talking to right now, they're facing financial challenges, spiritual challenges, emotional health challenges are a big thing after the pandemic, disability, children with disabilities, their personal disabilities, maybe like you referred to earlier, a loss of a child, a loss of a spouse, which you've been through. I guess what I'm trying to find out is, 
What would you say about when you go through difficult times, the importance of holding on to these baseline principles of marriage and family instead of letting the pain of life cause us to loosen our grip on these really eternal principles? I think it comes down to basically what are our values? Who do we trust? Okay. Uh, Do I trust myself? Do I trust my marriage? Do I trust my career? Do I trust my talents? Or do I trust the creator of the universe? Okay. I mean, I would hate to live life knowing what I've known in 81 years uh, with with the ups and downs of it if I had to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have a basic trust in God and knowing that he's in control, that he, he knows things that I don't know, but I know that he loves me and he wants what's best for me, then, then to me, I would be miserable. I would, I would worry uh, about even driving home. Yeah, am I going to get shot? Am I yeah. going to be in a wreck? Am I going whatever? Rather than thinking, you know what, my life is in God's hands. He's in control. He ultimately wants this eternal relationship with Him, which is really what's important. Is is the, is the idea? Gloria and I, for, I always believe that that this life is a pilgrimage to eternity mm. and and we're here just to prepare for eternity which makes it an adventure yeah because we really believe it has a happy ending wow life would be miserable if you didn't believe in a happy ending wow i like that al i like that <laughs> i'm happier already <laughs> vince is loving it vince is like vince my producer today he doesn't usually do the recordings so he's loving that he got to record you he's like fired up question number four what are the most significant obstacles for men in prioritizing being fathers what do you think are the significant obstacles for men in prioritizing being fathers? Wow, that is a tough one. I'm going to th- um, I'm going to throw something out at you because one of the things I worked at and you actually helped me with this I way well before I was a father is that think sometimes our ambitions, selfish ambition, our desire to achieve, our desire you know whether it's a career, it's a position, a title becomes so important to us that it's hard to prioritize being a father because sometimes we're choosing between if I do this work and I don't play with my kid, if I push back going to see that game, if I don't do this thing, if I'm not at dinner, I remember going to your house and, um, and, and, and eating dinner with your family. And it was, it was a powerful impact on me because I knew the job you had and all that you had to do and the fact that you could be there fully present. And I think, I think Carrie may have been the only one left home at that time, but that, that the, the others were in college, but the fact that you could be there, it made a statement to me that the priority of your life in the midst of this storm is being a father. I've read about and followed uh, Barack Obama, President Obama, and he talked about even while being president, going to the residents in eating dinner, however short with his girls and making that a priority. And so maybe, maybe I should ask you not what is the most significant challenge to it, but I should ask you, how should we think about that when we're facing career pressures, when we're facing expectations of people outside of our home, how should we think about making the decision to say, no, in the midst of all this, my priority is going to be being a dad. I think the, 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 there are several different approaches 
are facets to that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we, we wish we had direct communication with God that he could just give us a instant feedback. Obviously, he generally does through through his word, the Bible. Yeah. But 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 not necessarily in a specific. What do I do, God, in this particular situation? What do I do with my schedule in this situation? How do I spend the right amount of time? How much time do I spend, and whatever? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we all need is an outside source of advice that we trust, and that's 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 one we always tried to have another couple in our life. Excellent. That that knew our life, knew our schedule, knew us, and could give us their insight and their their input in what they saw, and that we could bounce ideas off of that. Uh, none of us in of ourselves are, are totally wise. That's good. And and even even now, I could look back on our kids and wish I'd done certain things differently. Yeah. But but having an outside couple in our life advising us and telling us what they saw. Uh, would really it really helped us, and I think that's true for any couple. They, they, I would encourage every couple to have another couple in your life that really can help you, that has the same values that you have, and ha- that you trust their wisdom that can give you input. That's excellent. That's number five. You've already answered. I, it was the question: Why do you, uh, uh, what, what, why do you talk about the danger of trying to live through your kids? But you, you already answered that one. So we go to number six, the final question, and then Al will have survived the six quick questions about family building. Uh, you said there are stages of marriage in your book, and that's excellent. But are there stages of family building? You know, as you build your family, do you think there are stages? Do they go based on the age of the kids? Do they? I mean, what, what are your thoughts about seeing ma- family building as stages as well as marriage? Oh, there absolutely are stages in marriage. Uh, and uh, I remember one, one marriage retreat that we, a parenting retreat that we did that was basically built it was called stages oh wow and uh the 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 first stage is really the honeymoon stage it's it's the it's the years it's the the time that you have before the first baby's born yes that there's just the two of you oh yeah you 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 set your own schedule uh whatever (laughs) and and you can decide the two of you can sleep late when you can or whatever but then the next stage is when that baby's born oh al you're hurting me already life changes then totally because then it's not just the two of you anymore. You you are you are controlled a lot about taking care of a of a, a helpless baby. Absolutely. And trying to 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 help it grow and mature and and whatever. And then the next stage is significant stage is 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 when your first kid goes to school. I mean that, that's a, that's a trying. I mean that 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 that's a hard time to 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 to, to, to take your. Sc- kid to school and let them go by themselves in the classroom and yeah. you're praying they make it all right and, and whatever and, and and so so that's another stage another stage is is when the kids become teenagers oh boy i mean that that's one that that uh that that's that's another adventure in life yeah yeah because by then the the, the your kids start having a mind of their own that they're ha- and and quite frankly some of their best friendships are no longer you yeah uh they start having best friends that are not not parents and so it's a it's a that's when you really start teaching your values to your kids but it's already too late if you haven't done some modeling and teaching before oh, then oh wow yeah uh, yeah but but that's a very important stage and then an, another stage obviously is when the kids move out of the house and become single adults and of course 
uh, it's not unusual today that a lot of times the signal adults move back home. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And so yeah. you think you have an empty nest and you didn't have an empty nest. <laughs> and they're like back like poltergeists. They're, they're back, <laughs> that's right. But, but, but once your kids leave home and, and realize that, that you're, you're no longer the, the, if you will, controlling parent, mm. hopefully you're still the influencing parent. Sure. But, but it's no longer saying you need to be in by this time at night or you do this or you do that. Uh, but, but they're out on their own. And then another stage then is when they marry, uh, which, which now you're, you're introducing a whole new person into the equation, the, their partner. Okay. Uh, and then the final stage is when the grandparents uh, are grandparenting. St- that's that's one of the most fun stages of all. Oh, really? Is is when you can when, when you can spoil your grandkids and you don't have to worry about it. Oh, it's the parents, I see. It's, it's their kids' problem. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, those are those are and they're, they're they're really more subdivisions on those stages. But those are some of the mer- the major mer- the stages in life. Al, you have survived the six quick questions about family. It's been incredible to be able to have you on to talk about the great adventure of marriage and family. Don't forget all those who are listening. A Lifetime of Love is the book by Al and Gloria Baird. And uh, Al finished the book after uh, Gloria uh, uh, moved on to paradise. And 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 they are two of the most inspirational people I've known. And I've known for uh, most of my life and have influenced me and the way I think about marriage and Gail, my wife, and the way she thinks about marriage and family uh, and would never have built my family the way I built it if it hadn't been for sitting at your table and watching it, even though I didn't know what I was seeing, it got into those memory banks. And Al, you know, I already told you off camera and off the mic that I got to get you back for a leadership series of podcasts that you and I can do because that'll be really fun. Uh, but thanks a lot, Al, for joining us. And uh, we hope to have you back soon. This is DeepSpirituality.com. You can go and you can find the transcript from our uh, podcast, as well as you can find studies on marriage that have been produced on DeepSpirituality. And you can go ahead and look forward to when I can get Al back on here and we can talk about leadership. We had a great talk about it, but we want to put that on uh, the podcast so all of you can enjoy it too. Al, thank you very much for being a part of it. Hey, Rush, thanks. It's great being with you. Look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Deep spirituality, and we're out. <laughs>